Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back. My special guest today is BJ Moore, CIO of Providence Health in uh, Seattle. BJ, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. And let's dive right into it. BJ, you're the CIO of one of the largest and most complex health systems in the country. For the benefit of our listeners, tell us what are the top two or three things that occupy your mind these days? Yeah, I mean, top three things that occupy my mind is obviously the pandemic and the things that come with it. How do we keep our communities safe? How do we keep our caregivers productive? And then obviously the tools that uh, come along with that. And so, you know, remote care delivery, things like big data, things like modernizing. We've got a lot of technical debt here at Providence. And so unfortunately, we're not able to be agile and innovate like we'd like to be. And so those are probably the top three things on top of my mind right now. Great. You know, you may be aware that uh, your colleague Aaron Martin has been on my podcast a while back. So help us understand how your role and his role complement each other, uh, specifically as it relates to digital transformation at Providence. Yeah, absolutely. So Aaron and his team think about they own marketing brands. So anything that's kind of external patient community facing they own. And then they own the front door for that patient experience. So think about things like scheduling, online scheduling, things like that. So basically anything that's broad marketing brand front door as it relates to Providence, it's really Aaron's team. And then that handshake happens as that front door is open, that handshake happens to my team. And so the actual infrastructure, things like Epic, you know, where that scheduling is happening is, is in my space. All the caregiver tools that our nurses and docs use to, to actually deliver care, that's going to be on my team. All the sexy stuff like network and, and cyber and, you know, things like that are on my side. And then obviously all the administrative tools and systems that support Providence are on my side. So think of him as kind of the front door. And once that door is cracked open and that handshake happens with my team, it's a good partnership that Aaron and I, I have. And then my team basically owns the other digital assets here at Providence. I would like to drill into the handshake that you referred to because that is an important component of making it all work uh, seamlessly, especially in the context of all of the tools that they may be using and how they relate to the backend, Epic and everything else. Before that, I just had a quick question. You know, when I look at large organizations such as Providence or Mayo Clinic or, you know, some of the larger organizations, what I see is that from an org model standpoint, digital is really an effort that is driven by a handful of senior executives working very, very closely in collaboration. Do you mind, is that almost the default model if you have to move a big ship like Providence? Yeah, I think the strategic intent needs to happen with a handful of you know execs, but digital transformation includes basically everybody at Providence, everybody within the digital innovation group, everybody within IT, and frankly, our, our caregivers. 
So yeah, as far as setting the strategy, the tone, the direction, the phases, the approach, yeah, it's really in mine and, and Aaron's hands to define that strategic intent. And then, yeah, the delivery is, is everybody's job. It's, it's a huge effort. And Providence has been a pioneer in the innovative use of technology as it relates yep. to driving transformation. And you've been in the news, you've you know done a number of partnerships, you're doing a lot of innovative things uh, with uh, technology firms and also in collaboration with other peer health systems and so on. Can yep. you share a couple of examples of uh, innovative use of technology that in your world you're using to drive uh, the organization forward in its transformation journey? Yeah, I'll refer to uh, two partnerships that we have and the technology we're using there to, to do that. One is to deliver better caregiver productivity. We've been partnering with Nuance and, and their DAX tool and doing the you know work with the um, ambient artificial intelligence. I think you know it's pretty common knowledge that the biggest burden for a lot of um, caregivers is really you know annotating, adding to that electronic health record. So anything we can do to improve that experience for our caregivers, especially during a pandemic and, and labor shortage, has been critical. So partnering there and ambient artificial intelligence is very, very, very you know early on. How do you listen to a conversation and really have a artificial intelligence pluck out the necessary components? and add that to the health record and frankly ignore the rest of the chit chat that may be happening in the room. So that's one of the pieces of innovative technology we're doing. And then the other one is, is really aggressively moving to the cloud. All of the innovations happening in the cloud. And so we've got a deep partnership with Microsoft, currently moving all of our data centers, all of our assets to Microsoft Azure. And where that's really paid off, a big example during the, the pandemic is, you know, our big data model that we built there and then once we have a big data model there in the cloud, we are able to do machine learning and artificial intelligence to, you know, predict things like the use of ventilators, PPE, surges of, of COVID. You know, we, we really built a strong model that within two weeks advance notice, we could tell when a community would surge or when a community would pull back. And so those emerging technologies proved to be invaluable for us to navigate the, uh, navigate the pandemic. Two examples of partnerships and yeah. the technologies that went with it to really, you know, deliver on that vision. Yeah, voice uh, cloud, uh, right there in the forefront of what is exactly. uh, uh, happening in healthcare. And of course, Nuance is also now a part of Microsoft, so they're kind of one yeah. the same. And you had a partnership with Microsoft. So did that make it easy for you to make the choice to go with Nuance? Well, interesting. We've been a, a nuance, you know, partner, you know, strategic partner for probably a decade. And, you know, before the acquisition, we were already doing a three-way partnership, Microsoft, Nuance, and us to really look at that artificial intelligence. So yeah, it made it easier. I guess what also made it easier is I was at Microsoft for 27 years. My last role was in the Azure team. So my network is strong there. Maybe I have a bit of an advantage over the other CIOs. Probably not many CIOs have been at Microsoft for 27 years and worked in, in Azure. So I'd say all of those facets made the, the partnership easier. I have to ask, you spent 27 years at Microsoft. You must have seen a number of different industries. You've come to healthcare relatively recently. Yeah. Give us your first impression and how that has changed in the last year, year and a half that you've been here. Yeah, absolutely. So I joined Providence about two and a half years ago. And when I first joined, it was, wow, healthcare is, is really far behind. My observation is, Healthcare as an industry was 15 to 20 years behind other industries as far as using technology to, to do advance, advancement. Providence wasn't any further behind or, or further ahead than everybody else. My assumption though at the time was healthcare was further behind because they were uh, change adverse, that maybe they were just slow to adopt change. 
And that's been my biggest epiphany through through the pandemic. Last 18 months, we've adopted more change at Providence. We've accelerated things more than we ever did at Microsoft, right? We always see think of tech companies as agile and quick. We've actually moved quicker than I ever moved at Microsoft. And so, you know, it may have been correct that we are 15 to 20 years behind, but I was absolutely wrong that it was due to being change adverse. I mean, we accepted more yeah. change than ever. And I have to believe that folks like yourself and Aaron, who came from outside the industry, may have had a role to play in uh, showing the art of the possible, if you will, to accelerate change and move the organization forward. So, yeah. yes, I have been following a lot of the progress that Providence has made. You know, I wanted to touch on, since we talked about partnerships, uh, I wanted to touch on a couple of the unusual and, you know, recent partnerships. Uh, Truveda, for instance, right, where you've, uh, you talked about AI and all of that. So Truveda is really the vehicle, it sounds like, for driving those kinds of initiatives. For, you talk to us a little bit about it. What's the vision behind it? Well, first, you know, Truveda, it was really a, a white paper, an idea that Providence had three plus years ago. So it was an idea that we had internally, but we realized the power of something like that, collecting, you know, patient information, obviously, you know, voluntarily uh, to be part of, you know, these kind of studies and, and anonymizing that data. But realizing the power of it was really getting other health systems part of it. And so, yeah, we created Truveta. We were the founding members of that. I think there's over 17 other health systems that are now part of it because the value is getting really large, diverse data sets. We have complete coverage across the United States and having that breadth of data, the diversity of, of individuals in there really allow for better um, insights. And then if you, you know anything about big data, the bigger the data, the, the better the insights with machine learning and artificial intelligence. So we're just at the, the beginning stages of it, but we've got some really good early insights, things like vaccine efficacy that wouldn't have been possible before Truveta. So really proud of what Providence did and helping to form that. And then just amazed to see the progress that TrueVet has made. You know, it's they've really hired a great leadership team, great set of technologists are really doing great work there. Yeah, an initiative like TrueVet also helps you to kind of drive your own destiny in some ways with your data. And you're able to get Absolutely. the data out of your EHR system, to pull it with other data, and then you bring your own data science capabilities and drive your own insights for your own outcomes. So was that part of the consideration to get a little bit of independence and sort of move in your own direction at your own pace? Yeah, and get access. I guess a couple of things. Truveta being owned, quote unquote, by other health systems. So health systems owning the patient data, not owning it, be being stewards of that data was was certainly a big part of it. You know, we took a different approach with Truveta instead of partnering with a tech company to do this. Basically create a Truveta who hired you know, tech executives uh, to drive it. And so we get access to that tech talent, but that tech talent is really aligned in the mission work we're doing here at Providence and the mission work of other health systems. So it's been truly a win-win. And um, yeah, that I've got great engineers. I'd like to say we've attracted great talent, but frankly, the talent that Truveta has been able to attract is on par of any tech company. And so it's it's been a win-win. Still being stewards of our patient data, getting access to engineers that we would just not be able to touch within healthcare. So it's been yeah, fun. yeah, it's exciting stuff for sure. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Now, Providence has also done other exciting things. You've incubated your own tech companies and spun them out. And uh, you've also partnered, invested in other tech companies. You're kind of 
very deeply involved in the innovation ecosystem as investors, as incubators, as deployers of the technology and so on. And this is where, you know, go back to go back to your earlier comment, the handshake becomes important. A lot of these innovative yep. new technologies, they may not be as mature or as well built out as you might want them to be. So how does that process work? How do you filter those and uh, how do you, you know, kind of bring them down to the ones that have a shot at making an yeah. impact at Providence and then staying for the long haul? Yeah, I mean, the first thing to do is identify kind of the patient experience or the caregiver experience that we're trying to fix where the existing ecosystem isn't filling that niche. And then Aaron and the Digital Innovation Group, you know, once they've really identified an area to innovate, then they start to incubate that work. You know, my team becomes basically customer zero. So how do we jointly develop those solutions with Digital Innovation Group to make sure it can meet the needs of a health system? But it's always done in a way knowing that that's going to be spun out and the value would be, you know, Providence is just one of 30 customers or 40 customers. And so it's an opportunity to innovate and to fill a niche um, that isn't being served by other, you know, others in the industry. And then, you know, really a unique opportunity to spin these companies out and have them be, you know, standalone, you know, entities. So it's, it's definitely a journey, right? And like any incubation process, there's some things that work amazing. And you, of course, hear about those. There's things that are disasters and we don't let anybody know about. We just quietly fail fast and, and move on to the next, you know, innovation uh, opportunity. Yeah. In fact, a couple of those portfolio companies have also been on my podcast. Zeltz, uh, Mike McSherry yeah. as well, and Mike Wildflower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wildflower, yeah. they've been on my podcast too. So you kind of mentioned in passing, some of the uh, challenges that inevitably some of these startups are going to face and not yep. all of them are going to make it. So yep. what do you look for? You know, what are the early signs or what are the kind of initial hurdles, if you will, that you look for them to cross before you yep. can even feel reasonably confident? Is it integration and interoperability? Yep. Is it uh, workflow? What is it? Well, my experience, especially coming from tech, is tech individuals seem to feel like they have all the answers, right? So it's one thing to, to be competent and capable and confident and, you know, know what you want. I guess what I look for early on is, is a partner that's willing to listen and learn, uh, know what they don't know and, and willing to partner and really use us as a subject matter expert. So, hey, we think this is a problem to solve. We think we have a solution. But it's got to be give and take, right? It can't be they have all the answers and we just accept it. So... Frankly, a lot of it has more to do with the partnership aspect versus the tech, right? Is it really a give and take, you know, have access to our clinicians or expertise, you know, what works, doesn't work in the real world and have a partner that's willing to, to listen to that and flex, right? Really kind of a design thinking approach. And then, yeah, it depends on the solution. You know, do we integrate through APIs with something like Epic? Do we build new interfaces? Those things are more technical in nature, and frankly, technical things are pretty easy to solve. It's more, does it solve a business problem? Is it a great patient or caregiver experience? You know, does it meet the needs of, of Providence and other customers? So I'd say it's the softer things versus the technical things. And what about the other end of the spectrum, the big tech firms? Are they, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, I have to ask, I read this article yeah. by Dr. Hockman where he, you know, he actually penned a whole piece about what the big tech firms are missing. So I'd love to hear yeah. your take on it. Yeah, I, I won't pick on one of them because they're all partners. I'll keep it generic. But in general, they tend to fall on that camp that I started with, which is we know it all. We've solved this problem already. We're going to come into healthcare. We're going to 
change the world. And sometimes, you know, that, that kind of fresh thinking is really, really helpful. And that's how innovation happens. But we find that, you know, a lot of times these problems are, haven't been solved because they're not easy, right? If they were easy, they would have been solved a long time ago. So it's maybe right. a little bit too much hubris from these tech companies. And so those tech partnerships where they're more in listening mode, learning mode, you know, those tend to be more effective. And some tech companies do it better than others. We'll just say that. Yeah. Now, coming back to the startups, the digital health ecosystem is awash in uh, new yeah. companies and there's billions and billions pouring into it. Some say that there's a lot more headroom and what we're seeing pouring Absolutely. into digital health is only the start, just considering the fact that it's a $3 trillion economy uh, for yeah. healthcare, you know, 10 billion or 20 billion in startups is really doesn't, you know, in that context, doesn't seem like a lot yeah. of money, even though in incremental terms from last year to this year, it just seems like a big leap. What do you make of all of these companies that are coming out? Obviously, a lot of them are not going to make it, but some of them will make it. And are you seeing, what's your general take on this whole landscape of digital health? Is it, is it too many? Is it too much fluff? Or is it that you're seeing some really, really interesting ones that are going to transform care as we know it? Yeah, let me let me give you context before I answer that. What I describe when I'm recruiting other tech execs is, Imagine it's 1995, this thing called the internet is just coming along. We're talking about how amazing it's going to be. You know, it's AOL and MSN and the browser wars are about to get kicked off. That's where I feel we are on kind of health tech. And so, yeah, it's a bit crowded right now. It's not crystal clear who the winners are going to be. I think when we'll look back five years from now, it'll be similar to 2000 when we look back at 1995 and, you know, what AOL is doing or not doing. I think it's going to be something similar. I would think it's we're just early, early, early phases. I think there's a lot of players. Frankly, there should be more players in this space. I think the opportunity for innovation and impact are huge. And it's a numbers game, right? For every 100 people that dabble in the space, maybe five succeed. And those five that succeed will transform the way we deliver healthcare. So I guess that's maybe a non-answer. But I think maybe having context and time where we are, if, if we kind of picture it's 1995, maybe that gives people context of, kind of the level of maturity and the opportunity that lays ahead. I think that's a great analogy and that's a great frame of reference as well is sort of seeing the headroom and the art of the possible as opposed yeah. to, because if you're in the moment, it's kind of hard to see the forest for the trees. And uh, especially so if yeah. you're a startup and your whole life is consumed by this one thing that you're building, it's very, very difficult yeah. to see the forest for the trees. Firstly, I hope that the Providence portfolio companies, they all come out on the other side. You know, yeah, and, and I hope it, yeah. I'm reading for all of them. But to go back to these startups, you know, again, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg. They all want to work for a Providence. Providence can only work with so many, and Providence has its own concerns about placing bets on very, yeah. very risky startups and so on. So yeah. I know Aaron and his team do some amount of curating and they have sure. some you know, ways of doing it. But from your perspective, when they show up at your doorstep and go, okay, yeah got this cool solution, you ought to plug into Epic, let us in. You know, what's yes. your advice to these firms? Well, my advice back to that, that framework that I talked about at the beginning of the internet, healthcare has not gone through their own kind of consumerization of the experience. And so my advice to these startups is if you are at the forefront of that consumerization, you think about what travel was like before Expedia, you think about what, you know, taxing was like before Uber, I think it's a similar kind of metaphor for, for healthcare. So if you're playing in a space that makes patient engagement easier, access to healthcare easier, easier to kind of navigate this complex system, easier for health systems to manage 
patients and better patient outcomes, solve real business problems. But through that lens of consumerization, what we don't need is more complexity in healthcare. So if you're adding complexity, even if it's solving a problem, I'd say that's not a good niche to be in. Yeah. So let's talk about the next couple of years and what's coming, specifically technology trends. What sure. kind of technologies are you betting on? Obviously voice, you've already talked about. Correct. You seem excited about voice. Yep. You also seem excited about AI, although I would I would ask yep. where you think AI is today in the whole yep. grand scheme of things. And talk to us about anything else that you're keeping yep. your eye on as a technology trend to watch for. Yeah. So AI is still in its formative years. I think most people overuse AI, including in this conversation, I've overused AI, right? We're still at machine learning. We're not at true artificial intelligence. So we're, you know, if it's a 30-year journey, we're in year two, you know, we're still early on in, the, in that phase. As far as technologies or trends we're looking at, what became evident during COVID is this remote patient delivery, things like telehealth, remote patient care. So what I see really emerging and transforming is Internet of Things, especially medical devices. Right. We served over 20,000 COVID patients from home, but they were with relatively dumb instruments. If you could send somebody home with a smart pulse oximeter, a smart temperature gauge that was uploading that telemetry real time to the cloud, really building real time big data models for each patient. And then that's where machine learning and artificial intelligence will really be able to shine, be able to real time monitor patients, changes in behavior start comparing large patient populations, start seeing trends that we as human beings can't. These are COVID patients that had good outcome early on. They look like this here, COVID patients with bad outcomes. These are things that are in common. So I think those building blocks, starting with internet of things, streaming real-time data to a big data model, and then unleashing the power of machine learning and artificial intelligence to change the way we both treat individuals and treat communities. To me, that's, that's really where the innovation needs to happen. You know, day-to-day -day care, we're going to always make innovation and progress there, but we've been working on that problem for 200 years or millennium, depending on when you start counting, but really using big data and managing individuals or, or communities with big data and machine learning, that's maybe three years old. So I think there's much more opportunity to have an impact there, much more opportunity for, for innovation on that front. We're almost at time here, and uh, just one last question for you. What's your advice to other CIOs who are listening to this podcast who are not from a Providence type organization, who are from mid-tier healthcare organizations and who don't, may not have the yep. kind of scale and reach? What's your advice to them on the journey? My advice is embrace the cloud. Every tech company, all their innovations happen in the cloud. So if you're staying on-prem on, with on-prem software, you're stuck. You don't have the scale, the performance you're not getting any of the innovation that you get by getting in the cloud. So embrace the cloud. It's real. That's where the power is going to be. That's where the tech innovation is happening. And so my advice is that that simple step. Unfortunately, I talked to a lot of CIOs that are still debating if the cloud is, you know, the right place to be or the right place to put patient data. And unfortunately, every day they pause on that decision is the day they're not not innovating. Yeah, some CIOs tell me that there are questions about the economics, the long-term economics and the short-term yeah. economics of the cloud. I guess they have to sort yeah. through all of that. It's not a Absolutely. straightforward answer. Fantastic. BJ, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much once again for setting aside the time and uh, all the best to you and your team. Pleasure to be here. It was exciting to meet you and thanks for the opportunity to share a message from Providence. Appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. 
This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox.